All right, children, it is 5 a.m. in the morning. Well, I guess it's redundant. It's 5 a.m. I could not sleep last night. It's Daylight Savings, March 14th, 2021. I woke up at 2 a.m., which turned into 3 immediately. Couldn't sleep. Your, uh, uh, let's see, the... Sorry, I'm just so tired. Namesake and the king were in our bed. Sorry, yawn. And uh, you guys are like little heaters. And I was against you guys going in there, but then I changed my mind. Which is probably a mistake. Then uh, I was just up for like an hour and a half. And then your grandpa, who's in the next room, was moving around, making noise. I just couldn't get back to sleep. Then to put a... Icing on the cake. The spy came in and came in and cu- cuddled with me, which was great. And I loved it. I loved every second of it, but I really, I could not get back to sleep. So I, it, I felt like it was on my heart to just take a walk. And I grabbed my Bible and I walked to my office, checked my mail. Not that I do uh, you know, a little office work, but I took my Bible, so I might as well read it, right? Hope you enjoyed the ending song, the last episode. That is Creeping Death by Metallica. It's actually a pretty accurate, it's a pretty accurate retelling of the, um, of the final plague, which we're about to go into with this next reading. Don't know how far I'm going to get, but uh, I want to go, I want to get far. I don't know, I just want to accomplish and getting, not just getting this done and speeding through it, but... I'm, I feel kind of ashamed that I, I haven't finished it already. I mean, I started this in 2018, and lo and behold, it's 2021. Lots happened. I'm going to get some coffee, so if you hear me, like, pause. That's me having some coffee. Um, I You know, as I go, I think I'm going to give, like, my own commentary. I'm sure you could download someone reading the Bible to any of you but you won't be able to download my own commentary. So I'll try and include whatever knowledge I have of of all of this. So I'll... Yawning. I'll begin. Chapter 12. The Passover. You know, I think I'm going to start also reading the subheadings to each, each paragraph I see. I hope that's okay with you guys. Hopefully I'm... Consistent with that, I gotta stop saying. Uh, that's that's not that's not good recording. That's not good pod, podcast banter. It's hard to podcast by yourself. It's so much easier when I have someone to play off of. Sorry for slurping. Drinking a cup, uh, coffee cup that we bought in Zapotle Nail, Jalisco, Mexico. It's got a. It turns. It's black, but it turns. Um, uh, it turns into a, a painting when it gets hot, and I'm looking at a picture of the the church in downtown Zapotlaneo, where your great grandfather would go when he was a little boy. The story I was told that I was actually asked to remove from our, our my blog on Mexico was that if he was ever naughty, his mother would send him to the priests at that church, and he would get a spanking by the priests. I don't know if that's true or not. I, I think it is true because I was asked to take it down. You know, the most inflammatory things 
aren't lies, they're usually the truth. Okay, chapter 12. The Passover. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, <clears throat> This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you, and on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses, for it, for if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but what everyone needs to eat that alone may be prepared by you, and you shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, for on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month, from the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land, you shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwelling places, you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans, and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. <coughs> None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over that door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and your sons forever. When you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep the service. And when your children say to you, What do you mean by the service? You shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt, when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people of Israel went and did so, as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. 
At midnight the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Go up, <clears throat> and he said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel. Go serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. Take a sip. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up in the cloaks of their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver <clears throat> and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them and very <clears throat> much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. <coughs> the time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So the same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat it, but every slave that is bought for money may eat it, and may eat of it after you have circumcised them. No foreigner or hired worker may eat it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside of the house. You shall not break any of its bones. <clears throat> All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you, and would keep the Passover to the Lord. Let all his males be circumcised to the Lord. Let all his males... Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat it. There shall be one law for this native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. All the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, and on that very day the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. A lot to unpack there. <clears throat> I don't, I don't know what, I mean, there's a lot of things you would think are problematic. I do not. There are different words for different things. Slave also means worker. They could also, it could mean indentured servant, but it wasn't like the slave we Americans had uh, in the, <clears throat> in the 18, 17, 1800s. It wasn't those. We, they're treated a lot differently. Uh, I've read Articles on this about how there are a lot of laws about how to treat a quote-unquote slave or hired worker is what they were um, better known as. <clears throat> when you read the Bible, don't think things are problematic. Don't immediately conclude, oh, well, that's a problematic thing. I, I'm just going to discontinue all of that. My God, if you looked at me that way, you would stop listening to me when you were one. You need to embrace this book. It is God's word. Word It is inerrant, and it's inspired. Of course, question your faith. Question it. But 
I hope by the time you read this, I'll have taught you critical thinking skills. I'm, I, you know how I vote politically, but I do a lot of reading on both sides of the aisle, and I've voted for both parties. And I just hope that you don't like read things and think, oh, well, you know, forget this. This book is the most important thing you'll ever read in your entire lives. And, you know, just going forward from that, it's interesting where it said, don't break any of the bones. This isn't like a prophecy of Jesus coming. However, it's it's a uh, illustration, I believe, of what would happen, what will happen. Uh, when we get into Isaiah, there's a lot more prophecies about, messianic prophecies about Jesus. But they, it said, uh, you should not break any of its bones. I found that interesting because... Uh, Christ is like the Passover lamb, and he had no broken bones. They uh, pierced his side at the end when he was being crucified. Yeah, I believe in the in the first three books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they talk about how the people he, that Jesus was being crucified with, they had to break their bones in order to speed up their death. But they did not... They did not break Jesus' bones. And that was prophesied earlier on in the Old Testament. I don't know where. I'm sure people, if you're listening to this and you're not my, one of my four children, maybe you know. I don't care. <laughs> this is not for you. Uh, but I love that you're listening, and I, I hope you'll find Jesus Christ in, in listening to this. Chapter 13. Consecration of the Firstborn. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. Today in the month of Abib you are going out, and when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Havites, Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen with you, and no leaven shall be seen with you in all of your territory. You shall tell your son on that day, It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt, and it shall be to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. Take a sip real quick. (coughs) For the strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this statute as its appointed time from year to year. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey shall, a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among you, <clears throat> among your sons, you shall redeem. And when time it comes, your son asks you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. 
It shall be as a mark on your hand, or frontlets between your eyes. For by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Let the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham, <coughs> on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from the people, from before the people. Chapter 14. <clears throat> Sorry, you must hate hearing me like take sips and cough. And... I'm not a professional. I, I like reading to myself. I read a lot faster. And in listening to this, you'll notice that sometimes I speed up. It's because my eyes are going way faster than my mouth can speak. And... Even though I'm over my speech impediment, you'll actually, I'm sure you've already noticed it. It's still there, lurking in the shadows. All right. Chapter 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of pi Haranoth, between Migdol and and the sea in front of Baal-Siphon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people, and they said, What is this we have done? that we have let Israel go from serving us. So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him, and took six hundred chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers all over all of them. <clears throat> and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them, encamped at the sea by Pi... I'm saying it wrong. In front of Baal-Siphon. <coughs> when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. Oh my god, I gotta stop. I gotta I've got to highlight that. Oh my lord, I love that. Okay. Wow. That has got to be one of my favorite verses. Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, wow. Uh, 
which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. See? That's Moses. That's Moses not being slow of speech. That's him taking control and leading the way God intended him to. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground, and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. Make a footnote of the, the phrase, angel of God. Uh, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness. And it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord drove the sea back, a strong east wind all night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided, and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watched the Lord in the pillar of fire and the cloud, and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces, and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appealed, <coughs> appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained, but the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. I only believe the guy. 22 minutes. Let's see, I want to go a little bit further. Oh, okay, I just to say that again. Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord will fight for you, and you will have only to be silent. Oh, that's the best verse. That is like the best verse in this entire book. That's great. Sorry. <sighs> 15. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps 
congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, my desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard, they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. Because of the greatness of your arm, they are still as a stone. Till your people, O Lord, pass by, till the people pass by whom you have purchased, you will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Lord, which you have made your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established, the Lord will reign forever and ever. For when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness, three, and found no water. When they came to Marah, he could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what? And this is, I, I just love this. The people just walked across the Red Sea on dry ground, and they keep complaining. And so does Moses. This is, this is a scene where, I enjoy the scene because it shows Moses, I mean, he had a great, verse earlier, but he's, he's about to get mad and, and hit a rock with his, with his staff. Um, and the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log and threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. I'm going to take a break, because we there's a lot to unpack, and I want to... I'm almost... Let's see, I went through twelve through fifteen... When your mom and I went to Egypt, one of the days we were there, and no, I didn't like it. I, I wasn't. I went to Egypt once, and that's it. I'm, I'm not going back. You, you could go back. I'm not going. <coughs> Hopefully it's safe. It was safe when we went. When we went to Egypt, one of the days, we spent the entire day in the Egyptian the National Museum. And it's, I mean, this could be a, the eighth wonder of the world, just the museum itself. If we, we could spend a whole week there. And not see everything. But we were there a day, because I, I did not want to spend two days there. And your mom likes to read everything in a museum. We were going by one of those travel guides. I forget what it is. Like, I don't know, but it was, it was a pretty lengthy chapter. Like 30 or 40 pages. Um, 
which showed like a couple hundred things to look at at the museum, like things of note. And one of the things of note was the Royal Mummy Museum. Now, to get into the Egyptian National Museum, you have to wait like at least an hour. We got up really early, like before sunrise, and we stayed in line with a bunch of other tourists. And it took us a while, at least an hour to get inside. Once we got inside, we only, we saw a lot of things, but there's a Royal Mummy Museum. See, all the pharaohs they dug up and, and uncovered their sarcophaguses, with the exception of one. All the pharaohs they dug up, they brought to the Royal Mummy Museum. If you, if you paid an extra, like, hundred ruples or whatever, which I was going to pay, I'm not coming back to Egypt. I'll tell you, I'll explain one day, probably not in the podcast. So we went up, we went into the Royal Mummy Museum, which is a section, it was like on the second floor, it cost a lot more money, but it was worth it because we saw the faces of like two or three dozen pharaohs in all their resplendent glory, in their uh, golden sarcophaguses, sarcophagi. I made a note to see, see, and, and before we went in, like the night before, I brought my archaeological study Bible, and that Bible has a very lengthy article on who they believe the Pharaoh was that dealt with Moses. Now I'm going to go back to the beginning of Exodus because John MacArthur, he's sure, and I, I don't, I forget which one it is, but he's sure that the Pharaoh that Moses dealt with was. Let me see where it is. Th, I think, but I think he's wrong. Thutmose the third. I think is what. I think he says it was Thutmose. That was the. Who was the the god that dealt with, or the the pharaoh that dealt with God. Who's that most the third? Well, anyways, uh, we saw him. There's a few others. There's like a Ramses the third. And we saw all of their faces. And it, it blew my mind that we saw the face. Because the skin is intact. We saw the face that dealt with God. The face that lost his firstborn son. I mean, one, it was one of them. I, I, we, I don't know which one. But we saw a range and we did not miss one of them in that range, historically. And it's and it just blows me away. We saw that guy's face. So archaeological digs and studies and article and, and, and what's it called? Breakthroughs. Archaeology doesn't refute this extremely old book. If anything, it actually supports it. I'm talking about sci- archaeological scientific study. And I actually used to subscribe to a magazine called uh, Biblical Archaeology. I should re-subscribe. But I mean, a few years ago they found, they actually uncovered Peter's mother's house in, in Jerusalem, I believe. So these, you want to keep an open mind and not, you know, people are going to be like, oh, an old man in the sky and you know, why should I listen to an old book? This is one of the most diversely written books ever compiled. There's like, I think, 40, 40 or 66 books, 40 different uh, um, authors. And Moses was not white. He was Middle Eastern. I mean, he grew up in Egypt, then lived 
on the outskirts of in Goshen. The, the guy was Middle Eastern. This is a book written by Middle Eastern people, not like white old white guys. I don't think any white guys wrote this book. If the, I mean, that doesn't even matter. I'm rambling now. It's 6 a.m. My lord, that's 32. We're in 32 minutes of me just talking. I apologize for that. You know, <clears throat> I'll end it with this, but I'm, I'm loving that verse. That's like the most masculine verse in the Bible, I think. Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. And of course, children, whatever you do, do it for the kingdom and the king. A single thread in a tapestry, though its color brightly shine, can never see its purpose in the pattern of the grand design. And the stone that sits on the very top of the mountain's mighty face, does it think it's more important than the stones that form the base? So how can you see what your life is worth or where your value lies? You can never see through the eyes of man. You must look at your life. Look at your life through heaven's eyes. Desert sand is less than a cool, fresh spring, and to one lost sheep, a shepherd boy is greater than the richest king. If a man lose everything he owns, has he truly lost his worth, or is it the beginning of a new and brighter birth? So how do you measure the worth of a man in wealth or strength or size, in how much he gained or how much he gave? answer will come, the answer will come to him who tries to look at his life through heaven's eyes. And that's why we share all we have with you, though there's little to be found. When all you've got is nothing, there's a lot to go around. No life can escape being blown about by the winds of change and chance. And though you never know all the steps, you must learn to join the dance. You must learn to join the Look at your life, look at your life, look at you.